Hello and welcome to this new episode of the All New 52 Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schrimmer, and with me as always is my web-slinging partner in crime, Caleb Bun. Aye! I did Thwip Thwip last time, so I needed to do a new sound effect. And that is one that is in this book. It's more of a aga. I'm probably not as high, but... I think there was an aye. Perhaps. We are returning to Ultimate Spider-Man this week. Ultimate Spider-Man, not a stranger to the podcast, but there is a stranger actually no we've covered his art too but there's a new a returnee that we haven't talked about in a while and we haven't talked about as much as the person who has been on this book coming to the podcast i i, I did a very poor job of getting there you took a lot of left turns to turn right buddy <laughs> <laughs> ultimate spider-man volume 10 with writer brian michael bendis as always penciler Stuart eminen Inkers, Wade, Von Grabadger, colorist, Justin Ponser, letters by VCs, Corey Petit, and that's it. So, long history of Ultimate Spider-Man. New era it is now. Yeah, I, it feels, at least in my opinion, feels like a new book. Yeah, eh, certain things about it. There's a certain back-to-basics approach and a certain, it's like a, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do familiar setting, but we're also gonna do different ground. We're gonna tread some different ground, uh, and also I'm gonna bully my artist. Interesting. I wonder what you mean by that. So, Ultimate Spider-Man Volume Ten. There are two full stories and two side stories. It's counted as two and a half. Yeah, two and two quarters, and one overarching. Uh, story that I'm very interested in. Interesting. I don't know what you mean by that. Um, so we got the return of the Green Goblin again. Is this number four? Yes. Or five. So first arc, and then there's all the stuff with Harry, and that's when Mary Jane gets taken to the bridge and uh-huh. thrown off. Then there's Sinister Seven. Yes. No, it's six. Sinister Six. And, or Ultimate Six. Ultimate Six. And then now. Okay. So fourth time. Fourth return. Wow. <laughs> and not his last. No. <laughs> not there yet. We, then we have uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which is, is it, it's, an, it's an adaption of sort of, I don't know. I'm more okay with that being adapted and being radically different because it's not a comic thing. <laughs> yeah. Like Spider-Man and his amazing friends was just a cartoon show. Where they wanted to put Spider-Man and Iceman together, and then they're like, oh, we need a girl so it's not gay. Firestar. And so they created Firestar. <laughs> and proud, then to, proud member of the X-Men, Firestar. And then two little side stories to make it a full hardcover. Yeah. Um, and the overarching story. They got babies and they had to take care of the oh, babies. Yes. It starts with babies and ends with babies. Babies ties everything together here. Is this going to be another episode of Joe? What was high school like? No. So for our listeners who aren't aware, I was homeschooled, so I never got to have some of the high school experiences. Antics. Yeah. Like you get a baby doll or a sack of flour. Sack of flour is what I got. Yeah. That you have to take care of. I remember friends doing this. Funnily enough, it was always my female friends who were carrying it around. I never saw any of my guy friends actually do it, but you know, um, and it's just, I don't know. It's a thing that makes a lot of sense 
in the no no the more i think about it it doesn't because they're pairing off people with people they don't like ideally in a marriage you're not going to get with someone you don't like that part doesn't make sense that part's bad teaching but like yeah people always complain about they don't teach you real life things in school this is a very real life thing it won't apply to everyone <laughs> it, it, it won't apply to anyone and also i just i don't know imagine 20 high schoolers with newborns <laughs> yeah well i think you know i i don't know i i don't think it works if it's supposed to be like uh you know making, this teaches you parenting well no like i think that could very easily get flipped into see how terrible life is with a kid don't have sex so you don't have a kid <laughs> yeah that i don't support but just in the sense of like you know know the basics of how to take care of a child that th- that i think is fine even if you don't personally want to have kids i think that that is a valuable human skill to at least have a little bit of a grounding in i guess i don't i don't know i guess like obviously don't let your baby get burned up <laughs> feel like certain things are out of your control at certain points though oh yeah okay if we're talking about what actually happens in the story <laughs> like no kid is actually Spider-Man. I'm not worried about kids. Oh, yes, obviously. I'm not worried about Mega Red breaking into a kid's place of work, but I don't know. I'd be very interested. I'm. This is all coming from a guy who didn't have to do this. So It's a very annoying task. Oh, I'm sure it is. Really takes away from everything else you're doing. I guess much like a kid does, but... Yeah, I mean, that's... You have nine months to prepare in the other circumstance. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully you planned it. But. Yeah. So, newcomer to the book, Stuart Eminem. He's let's 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 talk about him in our art section as we do. He's not pulling a. We have a new artist for the month who's going to have a completely different style. I think he's very aware he does not need to shake up the ground too much. In what is otherwise what otherwise has been a very consistent book. Yeah, but it feels, I think it feels remarkably different. It does. Badly. He's, I mean, he's got a much looser way with the character designs. Like, he didn't ch- completely change up the character designs, but um, he's not as rigid as Bagley yeah. was. His, he's, got, he's got dark outlines and stuff, and so did Bagley. Bagley was much more detail-oriented. Yeah, he has very thick lines, very big heads for all the, all the people. Um, not big anime eyes, which I was expecting from the cover, which has Spider-Man's like big eyes that doesn't really translate to the people. Um, but I I do think you can see maybe a little bit of at least cartooning influence on here, if not directly anime influence. I really should have checked beforehand because another thing that's wildly different is the colors are much darker. Spidey's colored completely differently. Yeah. He's much redder, a dark a dark maroon almost. We get less of those kind of greenish bluish gradients that uh that Bagley liked or at least Bagley and their artists together like to use or their colorists together like to use. I yeah, I am curious if this is the same colorist or if it's a different one and if it's just the different relationship with the artist. If that's what's factoring in, mm-hmm. um, color-wise, I kind of like it more. I th- those kind of those gradients that Bagley used weren't always. I don't. Mind it was a them. dated look. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's much like the kind of matrixy look that a lot of two thousands movies were aping off of. Yeah, this the 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 colors and everything gives this book much like how you're saying it looks like a new book. It gives it a kind of push into a different era that it has now been after ten years of yeah. it running. I do think that there is a lot of crossover with the layouts. I think that editorially it was a good decision to put these two people together because they have a similar flow. My big two points with the art is that, uh, well, side note, uh, Kitty's costume is still terrible. I know that was his fault. (laughs) It wasn't his fault, but man, maybe the worst costume of the ultimate universe. I I see. I, the only thing I dislike about it is the mask. Like, I don't think the, oh, yeah. the suit's yeah. great, but it's, it's, it's not really bad. It's just a terrible mask. The mask is so bad. <laughs> um, but um, I think that it does impact really well. Uh, there are moments. The first one I notice is the teacher's like slamming down on her desk and the whole background is motion uh, lines, which also made me think of anime, uh, not anime manga. Um, but you get this in the fights as well. You get a lot of really good impact of either Spider-Man hitting someone or the goblin slamming down onto a helicarrier. The fights are very good. I, yes. Not to say that it's like that Bagley didn't do a good job at this, but uh, I think Eminem just brings, you know, it's something that you notice. It's like, oh, he's doing this a little differently. Yeah. He's got, he's got his style that he's bringing to it. Yeah. It's not a better or worse thing. It's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing, which is more on the negative, is just... I feel like he doesn't always carry action very well panel to panel. And sometimes I'm choreography, like, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like there are frames missing mm-hmm. um, if we're going to go into film terms, but it, you know, panels missing in between where it's like I get, I can put together how character got from a to C, but I would like to see B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not. <sighs> I I don't I don't want to put someone like Bagley up on like a pedestal or anything like that. But it's when you have someone that's with the book for so long and then suddenly leaves, it's like, but the book's gonna keep trucking. It is gonna be a direct comparison thing. It's like, okay, how are you gonna match up this guy? And I don't think it's quite matching up. But uh, he didn't need to. I think he's doing a good job of like, okay, I have my own style. I'm gonna try to keep the transition as smooth as I can. Um, but I'm not a copycat artist. Yeah, I'm gonna try to do what I do best and hopefully let that show yeah i think i think he differentiates himself from bagley really well um to the point where you could pick this up easily and you wouldn't be able to tell it's a transition artist yeah it feels very much his own thing which makes him a perfect replacement just in the sense that it's like it's really good to have an equally confident artist picking up this story like i said it does kind of make it feel like a different book I don't know. I don't really care, though. Like, that's something that you just can't get used to Mm -hmm. over time. It does feel like the start of a new run. But this is a straight continuation. Uh, Let's 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 flip over into positives. I don't know why I'm acting like I'm going to go out of order. We never go in like a certain timeline order for how it happens in the book. I like the characterization Kong gets in this uh, arc. Yeah, I I like all the high school stuff. I feel Mm -hmm. like because it's gotten because we've had like very high stakes. Oh, it's arc. escalated every single yeah. time. This and I mean the goblin arc is high stakes, but even then it's kind of lower stakes than what we're used to. But by pulling the stakes back, it really gives Bendis the 
space to flesh out these high school characters that he's been like sprinkling little stuff with the entire time. <laughs> I mean, we've had years and years of buildup of Liz is a racist against mutants. Yeah. And now she is a mutant. Yeah. Um, it well, and it's just there's that uh issue where the first half is just cutting like here's Peter, here's Mary Jane, mm-hmm. here's Liz, here's Kong, here's like it's getting everyone who's going to be an important part, except Iceman, I guess. It's giving them like two pages to establish where they're at. And I don't know, that is that is the stuff I really like about this book, and I think Bendis does best. Um, so it's really, it was, I, I really liked all the high school stuff, and Kong is central to that. Yes. Another thing I like, it's, it's a double-edged sword, though, for this, like, I really like the... Uh, Bendis has always been great at this, where an arc doesn't just end and it's on to the next thing. He, he'll always give it at least a little page time to simmer. And how they end the Green Goblin arc, I really like how they end it. The double-edged sword being, it's empty. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, uh, the supposed emotion was there where I'm like, man, this would be really great if <laughs> Harry mattered. Yes. That's the big thing with the goblin thing is I just I just want to talk about the Amazing Friends mm-hmm. arc because was there I think it's the best the goblins been it's oh, I wouldn't I think the goblins first return is pretty good not great not not a standout or anything but it's pretty good this is probably on par with that I think but it's because they've scaled they've been able to scale it down yeah. a little bit and they were able yeah. to tell a little bit more of a personal story um I don't want to skip over you again or anything but I I like. It's, it's, again, a double-edged sword. I don't think the issues are amazing, but I do like the two Norman issues that are told from, like, his point of view and have his thought bubbles, like, everywhere around the page, like, showing his, like, hectic mind and stuff like that and his point of view of the things. Yeah, I feel like that's the first time we've really gotten into his worldview. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, like, that's why the... I don't hate the Green Goblin or anything in this, but... it it feels very underwhelming every time he pops up. This is the first time where he feels like a nemesis to Spider-Man. Yes. And, you know, he immediately gets taken off the table, obviously not for good, but it's kind of, I don't know. I I find that there are a lot of weird decisions made, but hey, if this is the character you've got, they've done as much as they can with him. Mm -hmm. Harry is a complete black hole. He's different every time he shows up. He's I don't even remember what he's like in the first in the first Green Goblin arc. Kind of cool. Yeah, I like kind of cool, but he doesn't really seem like Peter's friend in this universe. And then he comes back and it's like, oh, you were cheating with him. You like cheated you when they were on a break, you were like kissed MJ. I no, I think I don't even remember. I think it was before they were even dating. Maybe before it was a really bad plot point. (laughs) Like and then he was and then he was evil for a little bit and now he's like kind of pathetic and like like yeah he's like just, him, him like he hurt my mommy like oh, yeah weird writing he's he's weirdly infantilized yeah and, and uh, yeah there's just a lot of weird stuff that goes into that but like i said i feel like when when it's just green goblin stuff I think that's kind of strong. I like mm-hmm. I like seeing Norman um 
his thought process, his plan. I like that he's not directly going after Spider-Man. He's worried more about Nick Fury right now. And Which it, makes sense. And it helps that Nick Fury isn't in this arc. Yeah. I'm... First time in a long time, Nick Fury hasn't been one of these volumes, it feels like. Yeah, he always manages to pop up, especially when there's a Green Goblin encounter. How, how, are, we, how are we feeling about Carol Danvers? <laughs> she's, I don't know. She's absolutely incompetent. I mean, yeah. I also, like, it's her first week on the job, I guess. I don't know. This feels very much like a status quo shift where it's like oh wait that's what's happening in avengers they haven't quite figured it out over there okay i guess i'll just i don't want to do anything big to mess up what they're doing yeah it's it's not so much that's like i don't know i can i can nick fury nick fury letting goblin escape okay this guy's strong like i get it uh carol danvers letting her him escape okay this guy's strong she's an experience arresting spider-man immediately afterwards why <laughs> like, she explained that was it. idiotic she wants she wants bait um, it's still stupid i don't know the thing about carol danvers it's just like it's one of those things where i think i'm judging it a little like i'm i'm expecting more from her because she's a named character but there's abs- they, get, they made her named character for a reason yeah, though but there's absolutely nothing here that like she resembles shares, yeah. yeah she doesn't even look like she's blonde but other than that she doesn't even look like six months she gets carol power danvers. armor though if there's one thing i know about captain marvel it's that she needs a hulkbuster suit yeah yeah no i like i said it feels like bendis had to put her in because that's what was happening in ultimates and he doesn't exactly handle it well but i don't know i maybe if i read ultimates i'd be like oh i can see what he's doing here um i don't know if that's true because ultimates was always a limited series yeah maybe i don't know if that's the case, then yeah, it's just a bad character. <laughs> I, I just think, I think this might have been a badly or a Bendis decision all on his own. Nick Fury getting Nick Fury being off world or whatever's going on with him though, that feels like that's coming from a different book. Yeah, it does. It feels very much like a status quo change that happened off panel, and I don't think Bendis will have done that. I think the back two issues here, you know, the book really I think works really well. I'm not going to say this is when it's at its best, but I think it works really well when it's single issues because I think it's when it's using them to break up yeah. bigger arcs. This one ends it. So it's not quite doing that, but it's still, this is just, these are much better paced than they have been in a minute. Yeah. It allows variety. It's a really good place for Bendis to plant seeds that will later grow. Um, and I, and I just feel like you're able to get, some fun Spider-Man shenanigans that you don't get if you have to have a plot that's on like a six issue schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like both of the, the, both the shocker and the Omega red one. Omega red is so much fun in this for a person who was just kind of a throwaway villain. Last time he appeared, I just love that. He has kind of this like veneer of like polite professionalism, but he's just tearing apart the daily bugle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, shocker, I think is now he's, I think it's weird that it's Shocker and not there's another bad guy. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, whoever that bad guy is. It's kind of weird it's not him. Mm -hmm. But I love the Shocker's tirade about how corporations are actually the people who control everything. I love how Kitty goes goes to the police and works out a deal to preserve Spider-Man's secret identity. Like I think both of those issues, stellar. I like they're giving Kitty good stuff. Uh, 
you know, after the breakup, you think it's just, she's just going to be the bitter ex the entire time. No, she like, I don't know, doesn't necessarily quickly get over it, but it's like, okay, we still have a working relationship. We're still kind of friends. Yeah. And I feel like they're setting up one. I like Kitty and Kong together. I love Kong's comment about how self insert. Yeah. I, I love how he's just like, Man, I wish I wish everyone would just admit that Peter's Spider Man, so I could talk to Kitty about it. Yeah. Um, but I also I, like I feel like her and Mary Jane have a good setup, especially without Liz there. Um, and Liz's and Mary Jane's friendship never made a ton of sense to me. Um, but I feel like Kitty can easily fill that like MJ's new best friend role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I was surprised because I didn't remember this uh, trade that much from when I first read it. I was like. It's pretty solid. <laughs> All things considered, coming off of a, like a big, just dynamic shift. Pretty solid, all things considered. Yeah, and I I like all of the. I like how that back. I really like the last arc. Yeah, there's some stuff about it that I'm like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it progresses. Um, if they come back to any of this stuff, but I feel like Magneto's really well characterized. I feel like it's paced really well for being such a crowded story i feel like he handles all the characters really well which probably you know it helps that all these characters have been set up with the exception of iceman but you know even then you can pretty quickly pick up on what Mm -hmm. iceman's deal is negatives Uh, i'll start okay (laughs) okay i i I touched on it i i hinted at it earlier um bendis is at like 100 percent, like his just his his worst uh not assets um quirks <laughs> i guess you call it um he's 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 not using thought bubbles it's just gutters and gutters and tops and bottoms of pages with words where it's like ah you're on a tv broadcast so it's kind of making sense but man there's better ways to do this um his back and forth dialogue just everybody is back and forth. There is no it's it's the uh it's the complaint of like the Marvel movies today where everybody's the comedian, where yeah. it's like everybody is just these quick witted back and forth comments at each other. And it is tiring. <laughs> I guess my biggest complaint is that I'm not really satisfied with where Liz ends up. Um, I just feel like for a character who's like defining trait really has been the fact that she hates mutants. I feel like we need a little bit more insight into her mind. And like I said, maybe this is something that will go forward. Maybe this is something that carries over into Ultimate X-Men. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't intend to find out. Um, but I, I wish we, because she was such a prominent character in this book and because that was her prominent trait, wish we had got a little bit more of that I th- are they i think they were trying to hint that like it was fed into her by her mom because her mom had shame that she slept with the blob like yeah i'm not sure that might be reaching but i think that's what it was yeah i'm not sure I, yeah i feel like all that stuff just kind of was a little bit glossed over and definitely could have gone a little bit more in depth um well because at the end of the day it's just another Man, what was that dumb mutant's name in like issue? Geldof. Geldof. It's just another Geldof thing. It's paced like the exact same way. Well, that's the other problem. Except without the X Men showing up. Well, no, the X Men do show up in the end. It's paced the exact same way. Yeah, the big difference is Magneto's there. Yeah. Um, I think another difference with that is that like I really like how 
Peter talks to Geldof. I think when he immediately hits Liz with great power, listen, it's a bit holier than thou. It's like, you have to tell her. It's like, do you, Peter? How long did you spend not telling Aunt May? Well, and especially, and we talked about this last time, part of it, like the better parts of Spider-Man are about responsibility, but a lot of that's about guilt. Yes. Liz doesn't have guilt. Yeah. Like she has probably a lot of fear about what's going on, understandably. but you know i I would too if i got set on fire yes i would not be a fan of it but i feel like because of that like i don't know i just i wish peter had been able to handle that situation like he had handled other ones i feel like it's kind of out of character for him it feels like they're writing him as like he's four years older or something well and also it's a bad point like maybe this is me being like everyone who has an x gene shouldn't have to become a superhero but can't she just live a normal life? No. I don't know. Every strong, Apparently not. Apparently every, not. Every strong guy doesn't have to go cruising uh, to like stop jerks from at clubs or whatever. Like just they all have to become bouncers. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Because like it, you know, if I guess that gets into the whole thing about Spider-Man where it's like, I think it's good to use your abilities mm-hmm. for good. But I don't feel like you are required to. And I feel like if you are required to, it takes away from your like heroicness. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else I have. I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised by how solid this one was. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think the uniting negative I have with both of these is just that I feel like they leave a lot of stuff on the table at the ending. Mm-hmm. The deaths of both Harry and Norman just don't leave an impact. Liz, it's like I get what they were trying to do with Harry, but man, he's just been such a nothing character. Yeah, yeah, it's and, it's and it's like you think it's going one way, and then he just dies like in like two panels. Uh huh. Yeah, I really mm, that's making me wonder now if there was a, another ending originally and editorial stepped in. I wonder. It but, seems like it's going one way, and then it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, in general, though, I like this. I I like more low stakes street levels. I mean, he was fighting the kingpin last arc. He he remains street level, but yeah, you know, I like it when he's not. Um, I I like this Spider Man more than like Clone Saga Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Even though we both agreed the Clone Saga was pretty decently done last time. Um, you said you mentioned something about bullying the artist. Was that just? Oh, it was. It was. Yeah, Bendis doing his thing of like where it's like I feel like maybe Bagley wasn't keeping him in tow, but it was like okay, there's a dynamic, there's a yeah, there's yeah. a there's an understanding between the two of them. So it was like you're new, I'm doing my thing. Yeah, but also like at this point, the artist should know what he's getting into with yeah. Bagley, <laughs> or not with Bagley with Bendis. Um, Bagley isn't even here, and I feel like we've said his name uh, an equal amount of times as we usually. The have. man leaves a legacy. He does. He does. Come on the podcast, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, overall, pretty good, pretty, pretty solid. Pretty all right. Caleb, what do you have for me? Let me go get it. I see floppies. I'm having my own little, little arc here. Uh, every, every other episode, sometimes, uh, of returning to things. Ah, oh, DC Comics presents. Yeah. You got more. One of my, uh, 
favorite episodes we've done was DC Comics Presents. This is such a why. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, want to tell the people. So, for those of you who don't know, DC Comics Presents are Superman stories where he teams up with another character. Okay, Superman and Zatanna in not her normal costume, looking like Power Girl. As Zatanna said, a lot of weird costumes. Uh, the Joker and the Phantom Stranger. Okay. Man Bat. <laughs> the Freedom Fighters. It's Uncle Sam on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> and then my favorite, it's the demon, whom I'm assuming is Etrigan, but it looks like Piccolo <laughs> from Dragon Ball Z. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm sticking to the with with the exception of the Freedom Fighters, I just had that one and I had to throw it in there. Oh, uh, that's the only one I've read. It's wild, but um, I, I'm sticking with my we're we're doing magic characters. Okay. Um, because yeah, ma- magic is one of Superman's weakness. I like the magic characters. I feel like it's a it's a good pairing. Also, like once you get into like the well known characters, those issues start to creep up in price. Fair. Well much to discuss in the future i'm looking forward to it hey fellas if you've and fell fellows gals girls and gals guys and gals gender's a soup people hey people if you've enjoyed what you've heard give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice gets us up in the charts has more people join in the comic book fun and if you have more things you want to say whether it be positive or negative you can send those to all new 52 podcast at gmail.com and we'll be back next week with dc comics presents superman and someone See you then.